the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On today's broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Whenever the Lord Jesus Christ raised a dead person to life or healed the sick, it was not just for their physical benefit, but to give testimony to these people as well as everyone observing the miracle and to everyone like us who reads of the account that the kingdom of God has come. When it comes to the message that Jesus proclaimed in his earthly ministry, it's really simple. The message was clear. Repent and believe. Surrender your life to Christ and live eternally. But what was the authority behind this demand of Jesus? Well, that's what we notice in the miracles that would follow. Welcome to Abounding Grace, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Over the course of the rest of the week, we'll spend our time taking a look at the authority of Christ's ministry found within these miracles. Please join us. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. One of the reasons many people today are attracted to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is because they are filled with fascinating miracles that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ performed. And everybody likes reading about the supernatural. They like reading about miracles. I'm sure most people, Christian and non-Christian, have a secret desire to have some dramatic, spectacular, supernatural miracle like Jesus performed in the first century to happen in their life. Now, if you want to establish yourself and your intellectual scholarship at an unbelieving university or seminary today, all you have to do is write a dissertation or a book attacking the credibility of the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ, saying that because no human being could do the things that Jesus said, is said to have done, therefore these things could not have possibly happened. There must be a distinction between the historical Jesus and the Christ of faith. They say that Jesus, that that Jesus really, the one that really lived, must have been a totally different person than we hear about in the Gospels. Because no one could have done all the supernatural things that he did. And what these miracle stories are, are really legends that later Christians who, who loved Jesus and wanted to boast about his reputation made up and added to the gospel stories as if they were true. But they never actually happened. They were just fables that the later Christians made up. These scholars say they're trying to help the common ordinary man like you and I to understand the scripture 
by showing us who the real historical Jesus is, by peeling off this shell that has encrusted the truth and get down to the nut of this historical Jesus. And then, and then we can be confident that he was simply some obscure holy man in Galilee. All the various miracles were things he couldn't have done. But Christians, you know, they just want to believe he did. So they simply added them to the gospel. You know, I read a couple of things over the past two weeks from some such critics as these of the Bible. Who went through the four gospels and peeled away the shell of anything that has to do with the supernatural and the extraordinary. So as they say, that we can see what little information there is about the real historical Jesus. Because the Christ of faith is just a figment of our imagination. Now there are several things wrong with this perspective, as you would probably realize. One such problem is that Christianity is not a knot. I say it's an onion. Isn't that an intellectual thing to say? You start peeling away an onion, and pretty soon the onion just disappears. Christianity is a seamless garment. Everything is so interwoven interwoven into everything else that when you start peeling away the supernatural, you will have nothing left because that's all Christianity is, is supernatural. It is the supernatural intervention of God into history. If you peel away that, beloved, there is no meat. There is nothing. The second problem with that perspective is that people who criticize the Bible and claim that there is a difference between the actual historical Jesus and the Christ of faith and that you can't believe the miracles is that these comments are purely arbitrary. They'll come across a passage of Scripture and say, well, now that doesn't reflect the real Jesus. This must have been added because he couldn't have done such a thing or because, you know, I read in someone else's book that he couldn't have done such and such a thing. Now, you may think I'm exaggerating, but basically that is how they come to these scholarly decisions. They pick and choose things from the Bible and then speak with so-called infallibility. This is what Jesus really did, and this over here is a legend. Beloved, that makes papal infallibility child play. They totally, arbitrarily pick and choose, and there is no rationale behind what they do, except the person writing the book doesn't think that this such a thing could happen in a natural man's life. Now, there is a third problem with that view. And I address this particularly to you young people and those of you who here who may be immature Christians. If you get caught up in this and you buy their bill of goods, that there is a distinction between the actual life of the man called Jesus and the Christ of our faith based on legend that was added later to the Bible, then you will become a slave to the tyranny of someone else's foolish ideas, their sloppy scholarship. 
These people will try and make you feel like you're an intellectual and that you must liberate your intellect from all the restraints of the old, unintellectual, obscure ideals of Orthodox Christianity and just let your mind soar. When as a matter of fact, if you surrender your mind to the Bible critic, then you become his slave. And your life and your thinking and your faith become unstable in all their ways. You become insecure. You become uncertain. And eventually, you will become skeptical and even cynical, which will gobble up whatever remnant of supposed faith you might have had in the first place. These miracles in Scripture really happened. When the Bible talks about Jesus healing the man's withered arm instantaneously, it really happened. When the Bible says that Jesus stood over a woman with a high fever and raised her from her bed so that she had no lingering weakness from that fever, it really happened. When the Bible says that Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus and raised him from the dead, it really happened. And when he spoke to a stormy sea and said, be still, it happened. Miracles really happened, beloved. Now, how do we know that they happened? For two reasons. Number one, because if they didn't, you and I are the most pitiful people on the face of the earth. Because then Christianity means absolutely nothing. You take the supernatural out of Christianity and you have nothing. And you are stupid to continue to worship something that is worthless. But there is a second reason why we know they happened. We know with absolute certainty that every one of the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ took place. Because Almighty God said they took place in His Word. And for you and I to question the authority of the Word of God and anything it teaches is to set ourselves over and against and above that Word, questioning the truthfulness of God Himself. We have been studying this section of Luke for the past several Sundays because its point is to establish the authority of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his word is so authoritative that when he speaks to us in the Bible, we are duty-bound then and there to submit, to place ourselves under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ because that authority of the Lord Jesus Christ is a sovereign authority. Do you remember that from a couple of weeks ago? It governs. It rules. We are not to govern it. It governs us. It has omnipotent authority. That means when it comes to us, it changes us and transforms our lives. It brings the very presence of God into our lives and it puts us in a crisis situation where we have to decide Are we going to believe it or are we going to say no and walk away in unbelief? But in no point 
Is it ever possible for a human being without impunity, that is, without being punished, to criticize or judge the Word of God and the reliability of any part without making ourselves susceptible to the judgment of God, whose Word this is? There is absolutely no reason No reason whatsoever to question anything in the Bible. No good reason. And there is no good reason not to believe in the miracles in the Bible. God said they took place. Therefore, we know with absolute certainty that they did. Now, there are three words for miracles in the New Testament. Believe it or not, the first word is miracle, which in Greek is the word for power. And that word points to the divine omnipotence that is operative in the miracle. Whenever a miracle takes place, by definition, it is a display of the omnipotence, the unlimited power of God. And a second word in the Bible for miracle is the word sign. And that points to the goal of miracles. So what is the purpose of miracles? They are signs or works of God that function as words of God. What does a sign or a billboard do? It tells you something. It conveys a message. The miracles were not simply illustrations of Jesus' power to show us that Jesus just simply hated to see people sick. They were signs. They had a word from God that he wanted to display to us powerfully. So whenever you read about the miracles of Jesus, don't just read them and say, this man certainly hated to see people sick. Instead, ask yourself, what is the sign of God's omnipotence trying to get me to see and understand? And the third word for miracles in the New Testament is the word wonder. They are signs and wonders. They are called wonders because that is the effect that they are to have on you and have on your faith. When a believer in the New Testament witnesses a miracle, and we read about the miracles in the New Testament, believing they are really, that they really happened, they strike us with awe and reverence, and they inspire us to worship God and They strengthen our faith. Now, what is an actual miracle? When you pray and ask God to heal someone, and he does, is that a miracle? Well, no, not necessarily. God uses doctors and medicine to help people. He can use extraordinary means that may seem like a miracle, but it really isn't. He can use extraordinary means to answer your prayers. So what is a miracle? It is not something God does just extraordinarily. Miracles are much more than the extraordinary. A miracle is what happens when God displays, listen, when God displays His omnipotence, laying aside the laws of nature, which are also His laws, and directly intervening in a person's life, to elicit faith, to create awe, and to give testimony to the fact that His Word is true. 
Whenever God displays his power directly in a situation without using the laws of nature, laying them aside and immediately intervening and exerting his power, that is a miracle. Like at Cana of Galilee, where Jesus actually turned water into wine. Now, you know there are laws of nature, laws of creation that govern how you make wine. Jesus Christ just laid those laws aside and made water into wine. Whenever he, as the sovereign Lord of creation, King of kings and Lord of lords, the ruler of the universe, just lays aside the laws of nature and directly intervenes, displaying his power, his omnipotence, so as to cause wonder and faith. It is called a miracle. Now, what was the purpose of miracles in the life of Jesus? You see, miracles are some of the most misunderstood things in the Bible. And as a result, the Christian church today has a truncated and an incorrect understanding of the place of miracles. Miracles had a far greater purpose in the life of Jesus than the average Christian today knows anything about. The purpose of miracles in the life of Jesus Christ was not just to make people feel better. Not just to make it less turbulent for ships on the sea. The reason Christ worked miracles was to give testimony to the fact that the kingdom of God has come. Remember, we've been talking a great deal about the kingdom of God and the public ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. His whole message was, the kingdom of God has drawn near, repent and believe the gospel. The saving operations of God, the saving powers of God, they're here, beloved. They are already in operation. They're already transforming men's lives into families and communities. The kingdom of God has come. It's not some far-off thing that we have to wait for, though it will not come in total perfection until Christ's second coming. But it is something that dawned into human history when Jesus Christ made his appearance on this planet in his incarnation with the intervention of God in history through the Lord Jesus Christ. God's kingdom with all of its power has come and his miracles are the signs that the kingdom has truly broken into history. Whenever the Lord Jesus Christ raised a dead person to life or healed the sick, it was not just for their physical benefit, but to give testimony to these people as well as everyone observing the miracle and to everyone like us who reads of the account that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom is here. His power is in effect, making things new right here and now. All opposition Scripture says, will be put down in all places against his kingdom. His kingdom shall continue to advance and make progress in your life and in the world until all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our God and his Christ and God becomes all in all. So miracles had a very important place in the life of Jesus. They gave testimony to the fact that the kingdom of God is most definitely here. Jesus also gave his apostles 
the power to perform miracles. So we not only read about Jesus performing miracles in Scripture, proving that he was God, but you also have his disciples performing miracles, a power that the Son of God had given them. Now, why did Jesus give his apostles the power to perform miracles? He had his apostles perform miracles to authenticate their divine message. You see, he called these disciples to himself, and then he inspired them by his spirit to be his mouthpieces. So whatever they spoke, as they were under his commission, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was the word of God, was the very word of God incapable of error. Nothing more and nothing less. It was divine revelation. It was thoughts and words right out of the mind of God, but were spoken through the lips of the apostles. The apostles were to be the mouthpieces of the Son of God in this world. And eventually, they left us with the Bible. A God-breathed book, every word of which, every thought of which, comes from God. They originated with Him, and therefore, they are incapable of error. And the witness or the sign that God gave the apostles to show that what they spoke was the truth were miracles. When they preached the truth of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, God would impress their hearers with the fact that they were speaking revelation straight from the mind of God by enabling them to do something no man can do without the power of God perform a miracle. So you see, the apostles were vehicles through which God displayed his omnipotence by laying aside the laws of nature and causing supernatural things to happen. Not because the apostles were equal with Jesus, but because they were his instruments through which he got his word to man. That's why one of the descriptions of miracles is signs. They, they were like the badge on the chest of the old western sheriff like Wyatt Earp or Matt Dillon. It authenticated their message. This is God's infallible word. The performance of those miracles was proof that they spoke God's word. And therefore, you better listen to them, God says, because that word is backed with the power of the creator God. Let me show you some of the verses that bear this out. Because this idea of miracles being a sign in the life of Christ, that the kingdom of God has come, and a sign that the apostles spoke the very word of God, have extremely tremendous implications. Let's start with John chapter 4, verses 46 through 48. So Jesus came again unto Cana of Galilee, where he made water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and he besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. You see, signs and wonders weren't just 
magic tricks from Jesus. Signs and wonders were the works of God functioning as the words of God to lead people unto faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need signs and wonders. You need a testimony from God on which you can rest your faith so that your faith won't rest on the frail, unchanging word of God. And the signs were proof that Jesus Christ and his apostles spoke the truth. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. This is a very important passage of Scripture. Therefore, we, the apostolic church of the first century, and we, Christians who have come thereafter, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels, that is the Old Testament revelation, particularly the Mosaic legislation, was steadfast or unalterable. And every transaction and disobedience received a just recompense or reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first begun began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard them, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. There it is. We better not play fast and loose with the New Testament revelation. The miracles are true, beloved. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Amen.